What's up, everybody? Welcome to Inside the H Podcast. We are Houston everything all the time. I am your host, Ike Quayle. You can find me on Twitter at Ike Quayle. That's I-K-E-C-U-E-L-L-A-R. Right here with my boy, Kush. Kush, man, we got a, we got a very special guest on today's episode, man. So excited for this. Yeah, man, we're so, we're so excited to have uh, one of our Good friends, huge Rockets fan, um, Will at Bias Houston, finally with us on here. Uh, Will, how you doing tonight, man? I'm good. I, I told uh, I told Ike probably like a year ago that I would come on y'all's show. So it's finally like, it took us a little minute, scheduling conflicts, but we finally here. I'm excited. Hey, let's let's get ready to roll, bro. Yes, sir, man. There's not always no time. This is going to be a super exciting episode, and... Let's get right into the Houston Texans, man. This guy, CJ Stroud, just keeps impressing every single week, breaking records, and he is him. And, you know, with, with the, the way that he's been playing lately, you can't knock nobody for already putting, uh, putting him in the MVP race right now. Um, you know, it, it was a tough game to say the least, to go up there to Cincinnati in the jungle and get the dub up there because they were already on the roll to begin with. And you know it was going to be tough up there. They just got Jamar Chase back, but he was nothing. I mean, C.J. Shroud was unbelievable up there. Uh, Will, I just want to get your thoughts, man, on his play and, like, what do you think, like, pro is on, man? Because he's so, he he's so such an electric player, and we're look. I, I already can't wait for next Sunday because I just leave, yeah. love seeing this guy play. Yeah, I mean, you you touched on it perfectly. Uh, CJ Stroud has been. Um, we're out of adjectives to describe him. Um, like I feel like saying he's been playing great or he's good or he's, you know, he's him. Like that's kind of selling him short. He's he's been like phenomenal. Um, in terms of uh, his play this season, I mean, you know, between he he had a real was Houstonians. We knew who he was, but I think he put kind of put himself on the map for a lot of people who haven't been necessarily paying the closest attention to him. Uh, last that last week when we played the uh, the Buccaneers when he had. One of, if not the best, um, rookie quarterback game of all time, um, and then you know last, or I'm sorry, this Sunday, um, he had an, another just a great game where he marched his team down the field in the, in the last, I believe, it was what 90 seconds of the game, um, the field goal range to win the game, and so like you know those are things that when you talk about the best quarterbacks in the game, like you know when you say, oh yeah, you left too much time for Brady or too much time for Mahomes, like we're finding out. That you know, ninety seconds is too much time. Uh, it was it was forty seconds last Sunday. Yep. Too much. That's too much time for, for, for CJ Stroud. And like, um, that's like that's not normal in general. There's not that many quarterbacks in the league period who are capable of like marching their team down the field like that. Uh, let alone as a rookie. Like that's like the craziest part about it. Is I think a lot of times he's he's played so well that we forget that the kid is he's a rookie, bro. This is his first what ten games in the NFL right now. Yes. Um, so, like, yeah, he's been he's been amazing. I I think that um, you know, all due respect to out, out of the Houston athletes, I think he's like he's one of the he's like, you know, all due respect like uh, Altuve and Jordan, but I think he's he's coming for that spot as the the best Houston sports athlete. Like, he, if he's not already there, he's gonna be there very soon. Facts, bro. Go ahead, Kush. 
Yeah, man. Uh, with C.J. Stroud, you know, um, I, you know this. I've been saying this since day one. Uh, the thing that impresses me the most about him is, you know, as we know, late in that game yesterday against the Bengals, C.J. Stroud threw that interception. And what did he do right after that? Just turned the page, came back, led his team down the field. Um, and this guy, he doesn't make the same mistake twice. Like he doesn't get let the get, let the mistakes get to his head. You know, I don't know if you guys are feeling this way, but as a Texans fan, I was watching this game, and you know we're up like ten points. Uh, we give the ball away to the Bengals. They um, get like a big, like a big sixty-yard pass to to Tyler Boyd, right, to get into the red zone. And I'm like, oh shit, man, they're gonna score a touchdown right here, and it's gonna be Texans gonna Texans all over again. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. But then Boyd drops that touchdown pass, and I'm like, man. The, the the football guys might be might be on our side today because <laughs> usually the type of game that the Texans lose right and so like for me as a fan it was just nice to see that turning around for us but man C J Stroud is um he's really really good like he's he, he's gonna get even better uh to me like the MVP conversations are valid um if you look around the league like Patrick Mahomes you know I'm, Pulling up the stats right now, Patrick Mahomes, 17 touchdowns, eight interceptions. Um, he's only got two more touchdowns than C.J. Stroud. Josh Allen, who a lot of people were at the beginning of the year was saying, this guy's a top three, top five quarterback. Uh, for, for those of you guys watching the game right now, he does not look really good right now. Um, and those are the two guys that really everybody, you know, pretty much thinks are the top two quarterbacks, right? So let's go down the list. Lamar Jackson, he's having a really good year. Um, but they recently lost to the Browns, right? And so, you know, I was watching ESPN earlier today, and the, the one thing that they were kind of talking about when it comes to C.J. Stroud, that they're taking him out of the MVP conversation, is a record. The Bills are 5-4. and four. The, the Chiefs are two games better than us. Even the, even the Ravens, they're only two games better than us. And if we're talking about Joe Burrow, who a lot of people think are like is a top five quarterback in this league, CJ Stroud went in there, outdueled him. For the most part, we dominated him. And his team's five and four, last in the division right now. So, like, I don't think it's a stretch to say CJ Stroud is a top two to top three quarterback in the NFL right now. Yeah, facts, bro, because you look at the quality of wins, bro, like the quality of teams that we've beaten so far. We beat Pittsburgh, we've beat Jacksonville on the road at their house. You know, we just beat Cincinnati on the road at their house. These are huge games with these teams are supposed to be contenders down the stretch, uh, especially Jacksonville and Cincinnati. They're projected to, you know, either win their division or go really far in the playoffs. And I think that if you win your division, the AFC South, you get one of those top four spots in the conference. He's easily should be, you know, like in that race, you know, with no more excuses after that. But, you know, that's the only thing they can really say about Bro is just he hasn't played enough games yet. We'll see what happens, you know, towards uh, down the stretch of the season. But he's in there, whether they like it or not. And the numbers don't lie. I mean, Bro keeps like breaking records every single game. Check out, check out this stat. He's the only rookie in the last 40 years to leave consecutive game-winning drives in the final two minutes of regulation. 
like this is special. Like the last time, like somebody that was balling out like this as a rookie was Jim Brown. You know what I'm saying? Like that's special company to be in. And I was looking at, you know, where one of your tweets earlier, uh, one of your retweets where it says the Texans are the only team in the NFL to have four different players with 400-plus receiving yards. And that means that he's sharing the love all around, bro. Like, he's getting everybody involved because it's not like he has a stud receiver like uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Jamar Chase, or like, you know, Justin Jefferson. He's doing this with, like, rookie receivers or receivers that are here for the first time on this team. So that's why it makes him, you know, just to be in an MVP conversation, that's more legit, right, because of those facts. And, you know, I, I just can't say enough good things about C.J. Stroud. Like I said before, this is officially a C.J. Stroud stand podcast. You know what I'm saying? I've been saying that for a while now because uh, it was just special. But I want to st- – get into some of the other things on the team, man. Like, I really thought that the running game yesterday was a big help to him because we got 150 rushing yards, you know, from our running game, and Devin Singletary was huge. I believe he also got a touchdown. But I think that whenever the running game shows up like that, it just makes C.J. Stroud more dangerous and our team more dangerous because now – you have to worry about other things, and it just, you know, benefits us down the road, man. Well, I wanted to ask you, man, like, what do you think, like, moving forward, do you, would you let, like, Devin Singletary run with that job when Damian Pierce gets back? Because he's been doing pretty good while he was back there, uh, you know, as a starter. Damian Pierce was not able to play yesterday, but uh, what's, what are your thoughts about the running game, Will? Yeah, I actually want the uh... – Piggyback on something Kush had said um, real quick. Um, he had said, um, you know, with with the the drop touchdown that could have put us put us down. I, I saw a lot of people saying like we only won because of that, but I don't know about y'all. I felt like the um, the call where Robert Woods stepped out. I thought that was a bad call. I didn't think. Oh that yeah. Was out. And I, I thought I was I was so mad because I'm like that would have been like the be- like outside of that game winning drive against the Bucks, that was probably like CJ's best play of the season was when he scrambled and found a way to get that ball to Robert Woods in the end zone. So I, you know, I was really mad into that away. So, you know, I, I think like it kind of went both ways, um, give or take, but I uh, know you're right. Devin Singletary was amazing yesterday. Our run game um, has been kind of like up and down all season. Like is, is it could be better. Um, yeah. I, I know one of the things that people who, you know, were really wanting to see myself included was, the team to kind of shift from being a run first team to a pass first team and be a little bit more aggressive. And we, we saw that yesterday. They were, um, they, they were letting CJ Stroud throw, you know, 30, 30 yard bombs on first down uh, a couple of times yesterday. And like, that's something that we typically did not see them do. It was, we were, you know, most trying to establish the run game first and then get CJ going. And that kind of led to CJ having to, to bail us out on third, third and long a lot of times. And, you know, he's, he's amazing. So he would do it, but yeah. you know, like that's not how it should be every, every, you know, every drive in the field. So I thought yesterday, um, one, I think uh, Cincinnati doesn't have the best run defense in the NFL. Uh, but two, I also think that um, I think the biggest issue with our running game right now was not necessarily Damian Pierce or Devin Singletary. I think it's the run blocking. I think that's been the biggest thing. Um, so those guys stepped up against a team that didn't necessarily have the best run defense in the game anyways. 
And then Devin Singletary was like, he was, he was amazing. Um, he was, I, I credit him, CJ Stride, of course, uh, and Noah Brown. Those are like the three guys who really, really like stepped up yesterday and helped, you know, come up, come up big for this team in, in the, in the end. So yeah, it was great. Um, in turn, I, I still think like, I think Damian Pierce is kind of getting rolled off a little bit here. Um, and I, I'm not going to, I think it would be unfair to like, to say that he, you know, we got to look to replace him or he's not that guy because, um, like I said, the run blocking isn't been that good recently. Like, I don't, I think the reason the run game is, like I said, is bad is because of the block. I don't think it's because of Damian Pierce. So um, I'm definitely down to like continue to roll with him um, and see what happens, especially like going into next season where we're on, in theory, going to have a better run blocking than what we have right now. Um, and so, yeah, like I, I'm still, I'm still, I still have my Damian Pierce stock. Yes, sir. I got support. Go ahead, Kush. Yeah, I mean, as far as Davian Pierce, like when he comes back, I would like don't be surprised if you see Singletary being the lead back. Maybe they might bring Davian Pierce out, you know, on goal line situations, maybe like third and short as a change of pace back. But well, like you said, it it's not like Damian Pierce's talent just like went yeah. away because he got injured. It's the run blocking hasn't been good. Um and I still like Damian Pierce as a running back. Like he can still get you some good yards, but I think for the most part on on uh on Sunday against the Bengals, like a lot of the success that we had passing the ball, a lot of it was play action. Noah Brown was getting open, and that's you know built off of what we're able to, to do with Devin Singletary, and he was getting a lot of his yards were after first contact. Like I think 94 out of the 150 or something like that. Which I mean that that went a long way for our offense. I'm going to piggyback to what you said, Will, about the call. Uh, I think we forgot the most egregious, most ridiculous yeah, it was a couple call of I've ever seen in my life. The yes, CJ Stroud fumble, like, dude, are you kidding me? Like, it was so it was so obvious that his arm went forward, and I was just, you know, at that point, I was watching, I was like, man, it, like, is this the shit that we're going to do this game? Like, <laughs> is this why we're going to lose this game? But, you know what, we, we overcame, and uh, we ended up uh, uh, winning the game, but I want to bring up a guy that we we signed off the uh, practice squad uh, Wednesday because Kaimi Fairbairn went down. We got uh, Matt Amendola, the hero of the game. Yep. I mean, what'd you guys think about both of his kicks, man? Because the first one, it didn't look like it was going in at the at, at the end of the half. The second one, I, I had to just close my eyes, man, because it was so close to being wide left, bro. I want to get your guys' thoughts and reactions, like on that game when he kicked. Well, shoot, man, like. It's a tough spot, you know, to be a kicker and you're put in that position on the first game, you know, uh, when you – when it's literally your, your first game as a kicker and you're sent out there to go out there and win the game against the Bengals. I mean, huge game. Like, we all know that every single game in the NFL means a lot. It, that, that could be the division service he was – you know, kicking that, and, you know, it takes a lot of guts to go out there and get that done, man, so credit to him, but like you said, Kush, the first one, I think he almost missed it, right, and it was close, but <laughs> as long as he got it in there, bro, and, and the, the game winner, you know, credit to CJ for being able to put us in that spot after throwing the interceptions, uh, interception late there in the game totally redeemed himself because I'm not trying to make excuses for him or anything but like we just got to learn from that moment right like uh, just throw the ball away it's easy to say when you're pressured you know like we're not 
NFL players and, and the pressure I'm sure was different, but um to make that interception, but you just gotta, you know, be more mindful and uh, and just have awareness of to get rid of that ball because honestly guys, we should have won that game by two touchdowns easily, the way we were playing. And like Will said, that play that uh Robert Woods cut caught that touchdown it seems like every game there's always a call like that against us. Where it's like a uh, a play that can shift the entire game, and somehow we always get the short end of the stick. Um, you know that's Houston sports for you right there. No matter what sport it is, uh, we always go through that. You know what I'm saying? As fans, but yeah, man. Um, I wanted to. Uh, oh, go ahead. What did you think about the the kicker, Will? Uh, yeah, no, I thought he. Um... I was definitely nervous. Um, I'll say that much. Fairband is is like really good. So um, going from somebody who I like trust to make it all the time to to like I don't know, you know, like especially considering it was a like we needed that one that we was going, you know, it was what to to take the lead, right? So it was like yeah, we, we needed game, that. Yeah, to win the game. Um, so yeah, I was yeah, I was I was a little nervous, but he delivered. Um, it came through when it mattered the most. Uh, like I said, shout out to to CJ in, in the offense for putting us in that position to where he could, you know, get one that was within his range, um, and he was able to deliver. So I mean, I know the, I know the game ball probably goes to CJ, but he was like I said, he was a huge part um, of us winning that that game as well. Yeah, man, I I want to just give a shout out to D'Amico Ryan's and it's amazing the job that he's done this year, just to have us in this position so quick. Um, you know, it really shows what having a great coach does for your franchise, just like our other team that we'll get to a little bit later. But it, it's it's a it's a breath of fresh air, man, for us. And we used to we've been through so much as Texan fans, you know, through the Bill O'Brien era, and you know, we had Jack Easter being in the front office. It was a lot of it was tough being a Texan fan, man. Like. Like, I used to always, like, ar- just, like, try to not even argue with people because I, there was nothing that we had on our side to, like, to brag about, right? Like, we had nothing to brag about until we got C.J. Stroud. And thank God for Logan Smith, man. Everybody was clowning last year because, you know, we won that last game. But if it wasn't for him, we would not have C.J. Stroud right now on this football team. Um I want to talk a little bit about the defense, man, because I, overall, I think we played a, a good game against that explosive offense. But I do think that the secondary was giving up, you know, some big plays just over like some uh, miscommunication and knowing where guys were supposed to be, because I felt like Jalen Petrie missed um, a couple of assignments there. Uh, you know, there's a reason why you're a safety, right? Because you're supposed to be the safety. Now, granted, a lot of times they have different packages or calls where they might have you blitzing, you might have to play man and cover. But if you remember on that first touchdown that Joe Burrow threw, um, Stingley, for the most part, did his job. Yeah. Uh, if y'all remember correctly, it, in my opinion, I think that it was because of Petrie not being there on time. Because uh, I really don't think he was on Stingley, man. I think he was, you know what I'm saying? And I, I really think he, he'll clean it up. You know, he's a, he's, a, he's a great player. But I think that 
if we can just get to a little bit of of watching film and fixing those mistakes, man, we're going to be so much better moving forward, man, because our defense is already playing really good. And um, just want to get your thoughts on that, uh, Will, um, about the defense and, you know, things that we can do to improve, uh, you know, uh, going into next week. Yeah, I mean, for me, this this season, um, like last year, our defense was was pretty solid, and I knew that D'Amico Ryan's was going to come in, and that was like one of the first things that he kind of established was a solid foundation defensively. Uh, it's kind of kind of similar to like the other coach we're going to talk about later, but like you know, like I knew he wanted that's that was like his calling card. He wanted to be a good defensive team, and we had a lot of guys who who were. Um, you know who were who were bringing back and then bringing in, of course, to to help bolster that defense. I, I like I love um, Jalen Petrie, probably my favorite player on the on the roster last year. Um, nice. Extremely coming back, like we had we had the guys to you know initially have a, a solid defense. So I always knew coming into this season that our defense was going to be solid. I thought the season, the success of the season was contingent upon the offense and how good CJ Stroud looked. If he was gonna look like a rookie, then we were going to win you know four or five six games. But if CJ was ready. We were gonna, you know, look like how close we look right now. So uh, I think that there are like some games where you could say, well, the defense, like uh, it was the Falcons game, the defense could have been a little bit better. Um, but I think for the most part, they've kind of done their job as realistic as you can ask them to be. Like I, I agree with you. I do think that there was some miscommunication between Stingley and Petrie on that first touchdown um, that the, the, uh, Burrow threw. But I mean, other than that, they they walked away with two interceptions yesterday. Uh, it was it took a little bit of luck, but we stopped the a touchdown, you know, drive at the very end. Like they, they, I, I think for us, like especially going up against an explosive offense like that, like they did their job, um, and then the offense came and did theirs. So, um, like I, I, I like what I'm seeing so far, and they just gotta, you know, keep, um, keep it going. Um, I think for Stingley, for him, it's just important to get back into game shape, game speed. He's been out for a little bit, so it's, you know, it's gonna take him a minute to kind of get back up. But I think once he gets there, I mean. Like yeah, it's like this team. Oh, and we need um, uh, what's my man name? Who's who's uh the safety? Who's hurt? We need him back. But Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Ward. Yeah, Ward. Yeah, yeah. We need Jimmy Ward back. Yeah, on this defense, I re- I really think Sheldon Rankins um is a huge part of why we won this game. Man, he had his best. He had his best game of his season. Uh, also on the defensive line, Jonathan Grenard having a pretty quiet, quietly really really good season for us defensively. Um, he's really, really eating sacks wise. Uh, he's getting in the backfield, stopping these running backs. And for me, one of the, one of the players to watch. And in my opinion, who I have, um, as a dark horse pro bowler right now, Blake Cashman for the Houston Texans, man, shout out to D'Amico Ryans for, uh, for developing this guy. He's having a really, really good season defensively. And, you know, Next week, we play Kyler Murray. Our defense, again, that's going to be a challenge for them. So, you know, we'll see uh, what type of steps this defense takes next week, man. Facts, brother. I agree with that. Bro is everywhere wreaking havoc, uh, getting sacks. He's a great tackler. Like, I love the energy that he brings every single game. And I want to touch on something Will said. For the most part, I agree with you, Will. The defense has done their job, what they're supposed to do. And granted, I know we're playing the Cincinnati Bengals. Like, you're not going to just stop that offense. They're too explosive. They have Jamar Chase, uh, even Tyler Boyd. He's a really good wide receiver. And you still have to worry about Joe Mixon. So, you know, I'm not saying 
you know, that they wouldn't have done nothing. But I'm just saying if our defense could just change those little uh, mistakes that we did watch film, man, I think we could be a lot better than what we are. And that's going to help out the offense so much because we talk about field position and everything like that whenever you get the ball back and let C.J. cook and do his thing. But, yeah, man, everything – I agree with everything y'all said, man. Like, we, we got Arizona next. That's going to be tough for us. Uh, you know, he's a running quarterback, and he knows when to slide. Uh, he's really good about that. So, with one thing that we don't have to worry about is adjusting to that because we do have D'Amico Ryans as our head coach. In years prior, I feel like whenever we played a quarterback like that, we were always in trouble because we couldn't adjust to – different styles of offense we're so like predictable on offense and defense and with this head coach you're going to be prepared for anything and that's one thing that we can always count on um from D'Amico Ryans and that coaching staff but yeah man um that's pretty much all I had uh from the Houston Texans I don't know if you guys had anything else I think we we about covered it all. What about you, Will? No, I'm good. Yeah, that was I think I got everything off. Facts. So now let's get into the Houston Rockets, man. The, the squad of the city. I would like to say. I mean, y'all know it's my favorite team, uh, and it's so dope to have Will on the pod for the first time, man. And y'all do me a favor, man. If y'all not following, bro, please follow him. He's one of the best accounts on Rockets Twitter, if not the best. You know what I'm saying? Uh, from highlights to stats, updates, everything, he has it on his account, man. But let's talk about the, the squad, man. Like, we started out 0-3, and now we won six games in a row. Like, that shit, I did not expect that. Well, I'm not going to lie. Um, what do you what, – what do you think happened, bro? I know Alperin Shingun is him. He's, he's our best player on the team right now. I think a lot of people can say that. But what do you think, like, just, like, made us, like, just win six games in a row? This shit is crazy. Um, I think the biggest thing is that um, those first three games, one of them, like the Spurs game, we should have won that one. That was a game that we had in the bag, Um and, you know, uh, some untimely free throws and a, a missed open three, and we we lose it in overtime. But, like, that would – in my book, we we that we, we won in two of the first three games. That that one doesn't really count to me. Um, and then, like, the, the Warriors game, too, like, we was competitive with them up until Steph Curry, like, dropped, like, 14 straight points. Something – it was something crazy like that in the fourth quarter. Like, up until that happened, we was we was with that. We was right there with them. So, um, you contextualize it like that, yeah, 0-3 wasn't – the best but it wasn't the end of the world um yep. and you, you also got to remember like this is this group's that was their first three games with this coach with these this new group of guys like period so there's always going to be a natural like adjustment period a period where you gotta you, you gotta fill your, your your teammate out you know know what spots that they like the ball or um you know how you guys are going to communicate defensively like those are things you have to you have to figure out you can you can work on it in training camp and practice but there's nothing like actually like doing it in a game um and so, like, I think that's kind of what's going on. But the biggest thing for the Rockets right now is we're we're being uh, one of the best defense teams in the league. I believe that at the time of this, we are – I mean, I'll fact check it so I don't say anything incorrect. But I want to say we're, like, top five um, 
in defense right now. Um, give me one second. So I, I think right you. Here. I think you're right, bro. I think I saw that. I think you're right. I so I you know I we're they now is it at six, but that's because um they tonight moved in front of us. So so I like so I want to say yes, like this morning we were fifth. Um, and so yeah, like that's that's been the biggest thing is that their their defense has been been like been a steady hand. And so even on nights where um Jalen Green struggles offensively or you know Fred is having like whatever it is like we we've been able to rely on our defense to to carry us in these games and then you know you can use whatever you got offensively to bring it home and then obviously like Alper and Shingun has just been a beast this season I mean he like you said I I think he's the best player on the roster um I think he should be an all-star this year I, I think especially if we, if we keep winning like this um I don't think there's there's not that many guys like, there's very few people at his position who are playing better than him I think there's even fewer or not even fewer but I think there's you know, like likewise, similar few people who are you know just playing better than him in general. Like I, I really can't. I don't know if I could name you twenty five guys who've had a better start to the season than Alper Shango has. So I think if he keeps us up, which I expect him to do, and if we keep winning games like this, um, I think he's got to be an All Star this year. Um, and so like he's been a huge. Like I think we're probably looking at about half as many wins if Shango doesn't play. So um, yeah, he's been he's been phenomenal. Um, the defense has been phenomenal. Ime Yodoka has these guys on the same page, and I, I think that's the reason we're, you know, we're six and three right now. Facts, bro. Go ahead, Kush. What are your, uh, what are your thoughts on the six uh, games that we won in a row, man? Yeah, the six-game win streak is. I mean, I'm gonna be honest. I didn't expect it to like to come that quick. I mean, I mean, my my whole kind of vision for this team was I'll I'll make my judgment after game twenty, but Hell, we haven't gotten gotten to game ten, and we were six and three. Six game win streak. We look like during those six wins, we look like a completely different team than what we look like during the three losses. Uh, like Will said, the Spurs game, they had that in the bag. They just had to make a couple free throws, and they probably would have won that game. Um, me and Ike on this podcast, bro, we are certified Wemby haters. So that game really, really. Uh, <laughs> Really, really put a thorn in our little agenda right now. So, but you know, moving on from that, just during during the six game win streak, I just feel like Ime Udoka being the head coach here is really like the identity of this team going forward. Is they're gonna play great defense and turn the other team over and get easy baskets off of that. And um, I agree with you. Well, Alperen Sengun has been the best player on the team. Uh, if he continues this play, he should be an all-star. And one thing I want to bring up about him, uh, a new move in his game. What do y'all think about that little that little one leg one legged jumper he's got going on, man? Because he's hitting that shot right now. Shit, man! If it's working, if the shots going in, that's all that matters to me. If he's cooking, what do you think about that, Will? Yeah, I, I mean, the um, the best players in the game always come back from the offseason with like something new in their bag like that was one thing that like guys like Kyrie and, and and James they always would come back with like a different move or a different skill set that like just kept the defense on their toes and you know so like last season it was the little shot put he added in the mid-range area he wouldn't do that in his rookie season he can't he brought that back his second season and he's still doing that today he's hitting with consistency and then now he's added, like you said, the one-legged like Dirk fadeaway, and he's he's I mean he's cashing them like is 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 easy for him. I don't is like I said, it's 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 unbelievable. Um, and so yeah, I love to see that he's able to like I said continue to add things to his game. 
um, and improve. And I, I, if he like, if this is what the foundation he's starting with at 21 years old, I mean, imagine what he's going to be like when he's actually in his prime. Facts, bro. And then you look at the quality of wins that we've had. Like, we've beaten teams that were top three in the Western Conference last year. Like, we're not just beating easy teams. We beat Sacramento twice, where Shingun just dominated Sabonis. Like, took his lunch money. He dominated both games. Uh, we blew out the Lakers in 36 minutes. That game was over at the end of the third quarter. Uh, I, I don't even think the starters played uh, at all in the fourth quarter. So when you see the last couple of games that were, you know, close games down the stretch, you could tell that our identity as a team is a defensive-minded team. And when you prioritize that, you're going to give yourself a chance to be in all of those games, even if you're not, you know, playing well offensively, you're always going to give yourself a shot if you go all out on defense. You know, you can always give 110% effort on defense every single game. And I think that was one of Ime's main message, like in training camp, where, you know, he wanted everybody to be like an all-around great basketball player. Like, you need to be ready for any situation out there when you're on the court to be – you know, an efficient, productive player when you're out there. But uh, I want to give a shout-out to Fred, man, because really when we added Ima Yudoka and uh, Fred Van Fleet um, on the team, it was really like how the Texans added D'Amico Ryans and C.J. Shroud. Was, with those two guys, you know that your team is going to go in the right direction a point guard that has been clutch before. It's a clutch player. We've seen it already this year with Fred hitting huge shots and really has our team going in the right direction, man. Um, it's a beautiful thing to see as as Rocket fans, man. Like like we always say, uh, man, we used to pray for times like this, you know what I'm saying, as Rocket fans. And I just want to, like, I just want to give a shout-out also to – um. Jason on tape, man, that the guy is everywhere. The energy he brings to the team and how he's showing the younger guys, you know, how to go all out on defense is exactly what you want to see. And you we also can't uh, forget about Dylan Brooks doing that. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of good things uh, that we have, like, to look forward to. Uh, I'm, I'm just excited that, you know, that we're here right now. We're officially back. We can say that, like, you know, with having a, a lot of faith, man, that we're officially back as a basketball team. And uh, I'm just excited to see more of it. I want to get your guys' thoughts, man, on, like, what do you think? Do you think, um, like, Tari Eason, like, how, how do you guys think that he will play the rest of the year and – what are the things that he brings to this team that, you, you know, you guys are most excited about? Because every time he gets on the court, he's making things happen, you know, getting steals, deflection, playing the passing lanes. And, like, last night's game, he made a couple of threes that were huge shots. So he could do a little bit of everything. But uh, I think once he starts finishing around the rim, uh, he's going to be dangerous, man. What are you guys' thoughts on Tari Eason? Go ahead, Will. 
Okay. Um, no, Tari, um, one, it's another playable body. Um, that was something that we we needed. We our starting lineup was was really good, but when Tari was out, it was our second unit that was kind of letting teams back into the game. So bringing him back, he was one of the most impactful guys on our team last year by like every metric. Um, and so bringing in, you know, bringing that guy back and adding him to the rotation, adding him to our bench unit, um, just like I said, having somebody else out there who you could depend upon to throw out there in the game and, and they could contribute positively was um, was huge for us. But Tari specifically, he's uh, he fits like perfectly into the defensive identity that Ime Udoka wants to build with this Houston Rockets team. Um, he's, you know, he's what, six, eight, um, seven foot, I think seven foot one, seven foot two wingspan, something like that. Nice. Um, you know, he he has the 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 IQ to to be a good defender in the league. He has the the discipline. Um, he has like all the intangibles and all the makings of a really good defender in the NBA and for him it's just about being consistent. But um, yeah, I, I'd say like already, like I've, I've said in the past that I think of all the players on our roster last season, I think if I was a contender and you told me I could pick one guy to come play for me for a season, I'd pick Tari Eason because I, I think he fits in with just about any, like everything that any NBA team is trying to accomplish. Um, and so like adding him back, you know, now you, now you have him with uh, Dylan Brooks and Jay Shantay that you said, there were you know, two other guys who are really, you know, working towards establishing that defensive culture and identity that, that we're trying to establish. Adding, you know, Tari Eason to that mix, it's like, okay, well, you, you get Dylan Brooks in foul trouble, that only does so good because Tari Eason's coming in right after him, you know, or like you, you get in a, a break because Jay Sean Tate's going to the bench. Well, like I said, there goes Tari right there. Like it's it's constant for 48 minutes. It's somebody who's really, really solid um, defensively is pressuring the ball. Um, and so, yeah, I was like, I think him coming back was, was definitely going to help elevate this team. I, I can't wait for like a Min Thompson to come back. Yes, bro. I see somebody else who I think um, above what he brings offensively. I think he's he was really good defensively um, to start his rookie season. So just bring in more defensive bodies, more playable bodies. Um, like, like I said, fitting in that identity that we're trying to build, I, like, I think it's only going to make this team even better. Facts, bro. Go ahead, Kush. Yeah, for me, uh, as far as Tari Eason, like him coming back to me was huge. Because now defensively, if you're the if you're like the star on the other team, you got to deal with Dylan Brooks, got to deal with Jay Sean Tate, and now you got to deal with Tari Eason, like all throughout the entire game. And I mean, that's defensively, that's gonna go a long way uh, to really tire out the other uh, the other star player of the other team. Um, and so I think you know the last couple of weeks, I, uh, I I've been talking about how when when Tari Eason is not out there, you can feel the lack of defensive impact that he has. And when he's out there, you can really feel him like making plays. Like you said, he, he, he can make threes. He can defend. He, you know, he gets jump balls. He gets loose balls. So that really, I think, energizes uh, the team. And the first three games, I think we kind of missed that. And uh, every every single game we've won since then, he's he's kind of made an impact every every game. But I want to go back to, to my... Uh, to my point guard, Fred Van Vliet, man, this guy was so, like, to me, when we first signed him, I kind of remember a lot of people uh, griping about the contract, how much money we gave him, but um, I'm going to defend my boy real quick. To me, I think it was a good signing. I don't mind the money because for this Rockets team, he's shown so far that he's worth every penny as far as, like, 
leadership goes. Like he's a leader out there, and you can just you can just tell that they you know he's already the other players are already learning from him. They're already getting better on him, and he's pretty much just like another coach out there on the floor. I want to get your guys' thoughts on what are y'all's thoughts on um, Fred Van Vliet so far into the season. Did you guys expect more of him? Are you satisfied with what you guys have seen from him? And just, like, going to, like, the perception of um, was it a bad move to sign him or was it too much money to sign him? What are your guys' thoughts on that? Well, I think that it's safe to say that the two vets that we brought that we gave the big contracts to are very worth that those contracts, man, by far. Because we, even when you look at Dylan Brooks, man, like the way that this guy plays defense on the basketball court, just that alone is worth that money. The guy takes the challenge and guards LeBron James for 48 minutes and did a really good job on that, by the way. Not too many players can say that. You know, LeBron James is like the greatest player to ever play the game. And for Bro to go out there, he even started, you know, like the smack talking before the game, accepting the challenge, knowing what happened last year, and then to go out there and to do it, it shows what kind of player he is and how he's fearless. And that's the kind of player that we want on this uh, team. Going to Fred, man, I mean, Fred has just been perfect for this for this team. You know, he's a, a real point guard that makes great decisions. Um, he takes good shots. Like, his, his shot shot selection is not bad. You know what I'm saying? Um, he, I think his shots are within the offense, but the chemistry that he has with Alpern Shingun already in those picking roles, you know, already shows, you know, that he knows – what to do he understands the assignment and feeding these guys and putting them in positions to be successful as a point guard and i don't know about child man but when i was at the game the other night against the pelicans when he came off that pick and drilled that three it was so loud in there and when he shot that i knew it was going to go in because we've seen this from fred before in the finals, when he's made clutch shot after clutch shot, he was a big part of why the Raptors won that championship in the playoffs. And he has that in him where he's clutch like that. So I couldn't be more, you know, happy about the two guys that we have. Even Uncle Jeff, too, has performed unbelievable. And he was a big part of why we won last night, too. I know he gave us a little info about some of the sets and plays that Denver ran. So that was, you know, like a, a good advantage to have. But everything he's done on the court, right, like playing defense, he can guard the five. He can spread the court. He can make it three. And, you know, like we heard before um, that the vets are already there on the young guys, for everything, you know, they're hard on them. And that's why you pay the money because you want these guys to be locked in, ready to go at all times, man. So I really think that we made some good decisions there, man. Shout out to uh, to Stone out there for making those uh, moves. Go ahead, Will. Yeah, um, to talk, talk about like the Fairman League contract, people saying he's overpaid. Um, I think 
you know, I, I was uh, someone who um, was a little hesitant to offer Fred like a super duper long term contract. But what was like the the saving grace for me? Um, I think people don't realize that, that third year is a team option. I, I, I think that's that's like the biggest reason why the discourse around his contract exists is because people don't understand that that third year is probably not going to be like he probably if he's on this team in that third year. I'm willing to bet it's not we picked up that third option, not because we we declined and then renegotiated. But like I'm, for the most part, this is a two year contract, and when you look at it as you overpay for two years instead of giving him like thirty million for four, makes sense to me, right? You you, you uh-huh. get to have the, the the point guard that you want, the veteran mentor that you want, um, to come in and lead this team, be an extension for the of the coach, um. You know, I said be be around your young guys and mentor them. He's already, you know, has a, a really good relationship with Jalen Green and I mean Thompson is someone who uh, has, has said he's he's used for really as a resource to kind of learn the point guard position in the NBA. So he gets to do that for for two years as he kind of transitions to this next stage of his career. And then at the end of those two years, right, Amin Thompson in theory is ready to take the take the job from him. Um, you know, but if you know, I, I believe Amin's gonna be ready probably sooner than that, but you know, knock on what he's not, right? I mean, you, you get to decide, okay, well, I want to, you know, bring Fred back for a third year, like, so we can decline and renegotiate. So I, I think that, like, when you look at the contract, it's like a two-year rental instead of, like, the full four-year. Like, obviously, because he's getting, like, $42 million annually, I think, something like that. Yeah. That for four years would be insane. But when it's just two years, like, I mean, it makes sense. Um, yeah. And then Dylan Brooks, same thing there. He's exceeded, I think, everybody's expectations. Like, I don't think anyone – um, could have predicted that he'd be as good as he's been to start the this this season. Um, my biggest concerns with him was that I, you know, I was afraid of uh, of the volume of shots he was going to take, and would he be willing to play within a, a, a team scheme offensively? I knew he was going to be a dog and, and really good defensively, but I like I was just concerned. I was like, you know, is is he going to come here thinking he's the star of the show? You know, because that was somebody who um, at times. Thought he was the start of the show next to John Morant. So I'm like, okay, well, if you think you good over there, I, I know you're gonna think you good over here. We don't got John Morant. Yeah. Um and I mean he's been like like I said, the complete opposite. He's um off the top of my head, I want to say he's probably taken around like nine, ten shots a game, which um as efficient as he's been and as consistent as he's been, um, I wouldn't mind if he took more, right? Like I I I think that him to up in that volume wouldn't be the end of the road at all right now. He's been he's been really good for us been a good playmaker he's been good in transition um like you said uh ike he's he's drew the best perimeter player for the posting team every single night and i don't think there's been a single night where i'm like yeah he got cooked like people were trying to make it seem like steph cooked them but like one steph steph traveled on that play that they kept posting that was a travel he play. did he carried bro like it was so nice he traveled it was it was a violation. It wasn't it was not a legal basketball move. But even with that, even if that counts, like that was the only play. Steph Steph did not have the best game, uh, especially when Dylan Brooks is on him. Like that that wouldn't you know what I'm saying Dylan Brooks did his job on Steph Curry. He he's, he did his job on LeBron. Like you know there's there's no such thing as guarding the LeBrons and Stephs of the world. But as far as like making it difficult in them, on them and making them work for their buckets, I mean he's done that every single night, um, and he's been doing it like. It doesn't matter, like I said, it, it, ranging from point guards like Steph Curry to the bigs, like the, the big wings like Zion Wilson, LeBron James. Like he's been doing it on all of them. So um, he's been great. And then, like you touched on too, I, Jeff Green, um, he was someone who I thought that this locker room needed two years ago. I thought we needed somebody like Jeff Green, someone who um, 
is a bit more experienced in the NBA, who's been here for a long time. Jeff Green's been in the league, I think, since like 2006, 2007, one of, the, one of those three. He's been here for like well over a decade now. He's played on several different, you know, championship contending teams. I think he got his first ring last year with Denver. Um, and he's played with, you know, all types of superstars from LeBron to Jokic. I know he played with Katie and Russ and James. He played with Kyrie. He's played with like he's played with a lot of the superstars um, in this league. So he knows what it takes to be great. He knows what it takes to to have a long NBA career. He's been in different locker rooms. He's he's carried a lot of knowledge with him. And I, that was somebody who like I just really want our young guys to have in the locker room with them to kind of like coach them up and like let them know like this is how it works in the NBA. Um, and so like he and so just just off of the strength of his veteran leadership. I was excited about the signing, but it turns out he's also like really, really good on the court too. Like I, I, I don't know why people myself, I didn't really think he was going to play that much this year. I thought he was going to get like spot minutes and maybe like if somebody got hurt, he'd step up. But I mean, he, you know, Tari's back and Jeff is still closing games for us. He's been, he's, he would close the, the Pelicans and the, um, the Nuggets game for us. And he was great in both. Like you said, he was calling out the plays for the Nuggets. He hit two big threes. Um, against the Nuggets to kind of like I think the, the the three at the top of the keys would kind of like that's when we won the game I think that was the game game winning three um, he was um, against the Pelicans he was like the only guy who was strong enough to stay with Zion like other than Dylan Brooks he was the, the only guy on our roster who was really like strong enough and disciplined enough to stay down and, and guard Zion so he was he was great then he was great in preseason um, I like I um, I wanted to go out there and get another you know another big but I mean, Jeff Green's been holding it down as like a backup power forward center. So while he's while he's cooking, I'm 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 probably fine like riding out in. Facts, bro. And let me say that um I'll rather give Jeff Green like Jock Landell's minutes because I have not seen a lot from uh from Jock and he's missing like every put back down there right underneath the rim. And it's a little frustrating to watch, but you know, maybe he's just going through a slump or something. He can get better from that. But I know it's just depending on the matchups because when you have like a, a big, an official five that's an actual big, you need a big body down there. So I agree with you, Will, that we need to get a backup uh, center, you know, just for to get those, to guard those bigs like that. But I want to ask you guys out of all the wins that we got so far, out of the six wins, um, which win to you guys is the most impressive if you had to pick one? For me, oh, man, it's, it's so hard to pick because all of them are against, like, really good teams, right? Like, uh, shit, man. I would t- – to for me personally, it would be against the Lakers. Big primetime game at home. Uh, you know, they debuted the, the cool-ass uh, – The logo, uh, man. The logo. I call it the five slammer jammer jerseys. Yeah. Um. Man, the way that you know, I didn't, I did not expect LeBron to just shit the bed like that against us. But <laughs> you know, Dylan Brooks did did a really, really good job. I was so impressed with him. And a guy that we haven't talked about yet this episode is Jalen Green. Had a coming out party that game, man. He was amazing that game. That crazy, crazy uh, dunk that he had after that steal. And to me, the reason why I picked the Lakers is because Jalen Green showed that. He's not just this skinny guy who can shoot and who's like crazy athletic offensively. He was playing great defense that game. He got that steal. He was uh, active defensively. And to me, um, I think he can build off of that. And 
and even the games after that, he kind of showed that he's just he's not just a scorer. He contributed to the wins in different ways, got some assists, got some rebounds, played defense. So to me, the Lakers game was the most impressive because, you know, while we did beat the Kings ass the two games before that, that Lakers game to me is, is what I think kind of like rev that engine of, you know what, man, we're going to. We're not we're not the same team that we were the last three years. We're gonna be really good. Facts. For me, um, the most impressive one, and I mean this might be the in my opinion, the most impressive win we've had since James Harden left was the Pelicans game. I, I thought that one was um one, it was the in season tournament, so there was a little bit of added stakes to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but also just like one we were going up against, in my opinion, a very solid team. Like I know they were missing CJ McCollum. Um, but Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram were two of the best players in the entire game. Those are two all-star guys. Jonas Valanciunas is somebody who's given us a lot of problems in the past. Um, it's, it's just a good team. And not only were we going up against a good team um, that, like, Zion Williamson was kind of cooking. It, it was. was like we was going up against a good team. We was going up against the refs, too. It was like we couldn't, oh my God. We couldn't sneeze, you know, breathe on them, and it was a foul, right? It was, it was just like every little thing. Dylan Brooks was in foul trouble the whole game. Um, you know, like I so said, there was just phantom calls every time Zion or B.I. had the ball in their hands. Jay I think Tate, still, I, I to interrupt. I think Tate got ejected yeah, the game, too. And, and, it, and they, in the post game, like afterwards, they asked the refs, like, why did you eject Tate? And they really couldn't even give an answer. Like, it was just like, oh, well, we did it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was, it was just poorly efficient. I thought Jalen Green, um, should have got like twice as many free throws as he did. I thought he got fouled several times driving to the basket and there was just no whistle. Um, and like that same whistle was then called when Zion Williamson did on the other end. So it was, it was, um, it was a poorly officiated game against a solid team um, that came down to the wire. And I think that in terms of like resilience and like will, cause like just, I mean, obviously I'm not a professional athlete. I'm not in the arena playing the game, but just, you know, as someone who's very invested in this team and I watch every single game, I was I was deflated, man. I'm like, man, we're not we're not even we're not even getting a chance to win this one because mm-hmm. you know every time we try to come back, you call a foul on us, and it's like you know what I'm saying that we can, we just can't compete if every little ten seconds it's gonna be a foul. I got, there's nothing you can do, um, and so I was deflated, and like I know that if I was playing in that game, it'd be very easy to get discouraged and get deflated and just be like, man, like whatever, like you know what I'm saying? Because I wouldn't even hang my head on it. I wouldn't even be mad. I'd just be like. We, you know, we just got hope. Like it's, it is his. Exactly. I'm not, exactly. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be tripping on it. But they didn't care. They were like, I don't care if we're getting, if we're down 120. If they call them phantom calls on us, like whatever. Like we're gonna win this game. And I think that really showed the resilience of this team. I think it showed that this isn't the teams that we've seen in the past. Because like, I, I mean, I think even like some of the James Harden teams would have quit um, on that game. I, 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 that's that. Like we, we showed resilience that I had not seen from a Rockets team in like a very, very long time um, against the Pelicans. And so to, to find a way to, despite, you know, every momentum sh- uh, swing and every bad call and every, you know, foul trouble ejections, all that stuff to find a way to still walk away with the win. Um, like I said, that, that really moved me. I, that, that to me, like I said, that was one of, if not the best one we've had in like the last two, three years for me. Facts, bro. Because the, the Rockets, Won that game, even dealing with the refs' bullshit for 48 minutes. And some of those plays, man, like, it reminded me, I hate to bring this up, but it reminded me of 2018 Game 7. You know what I'm saying? It was that kind of game. It was, it was 
some horrific calls, bro. And the fact that we still won that game, it shows that we're a different team this year and we're battling all the way to the end. But for me, the most impressive win was last night's game against the Nuggets because, you know, they're defending champions. I know they didn't have Jamal Murray, but that's still a very well-coached championship team. And Jokic was was hooping. He had a triple-double, but in a way, we still contained him. And I think one of the biggest improvements of this year has been Alperin Chingun's defense. And really, I think he got a couple of blocks on him. I know it was for sure, at least one block that he got on him. But the way that he showed up last night and played defense really told me that he is serious about improving on that side of the ball. And, you know, that's why he's he's been our best player. Because not only is he cooking on offense, he's also gotten really good on defense. And I think when they found out the best way to actually beat the Nuggets is just let the Joker go one-on-one, right? Because he's most dangerous when he's passing the ball as, you know, like the hub, like the point guard of the offense, uh, in my opinion. But I really think that that game plan worked out for us because Shingun definitely held his own. And that's what that's the reason why I picked that game. And it really went all the way down to the wire until, you know, we made a couple of threes there in the fourth. Uh, big shots that, that we're taking that we made. Tari Easton had one. I think he had two. But um yeah, just just a, a really impressive win. I think a lot of us when we saw this game or heading into this game, we're like, well, this kind of feels like a game that will, you know, we'll take a L because it's against Jokic, you know, uh two time MVP. But we said no, like we're not having that. And Really, when you look at it, every single win, you could say something like that, right? That tells you that this is a different team this year. And moving forward, this is going to be a lot of good basketball. And I, I can't wait till Armin Thompson comes back to just to have the full squad and just to see what he can do, you know what I'm saying, with those uh, backup point guard minutes, man. It's going to be, like, really fun to watch. Yeah, well, um, I'm going to go off topic uh, real quick. Um, I think we all know that you're a huge James Harden fan, so I got to ask you. Uh, after this trade of the Clippers, man, he's been struggling a little bit. So so I'm going to ask you to defend your boy right now. What's going on with him, man? And, what like, do you think this year, like, if he gets back to the old James Harden? Because I, I you know, all, all of my friends, all my Astros friends, my Rockets friends, my Texans friends, they continuously roast me for uh, still believing in James Harden. But to me, I think if he can figure it out this year and go back to the old James Harden, I don't see why you, why you can't count in the Clippers as contenders to win the championship this year, man. Um, I want to get your thoughts on, first of all, the trade uh, to the Clippers for James Harden. And then what do you think um, he can do this year for them? And do you think they're like a serious contender with him on the team, man? Um, so the trade itself, um, I understand why he wanted out. Um, it was a business decision. I, I, I believe it was because he was promised a contract that he never got. And he was like, well, okay, well, I don't want to, you know, if you're going to 
promise you something and not deliver on your promise. So I don't really want to play for you no more. So I, I think that's why he wanted out, um, which, okay, I understand. Um, for me, as a James Harden fan, I thought that um, if his goal at the end of the day was to win a championship, I thought that it was his best chance of doing so was probably to stay in Philadelphia. Or if he, if he just had to leave, I would have tried to go to like Miami. I thought that might have been the better like fit for him, but I probably would have just stayed in Philadelphia if I was James. Um, but that being said, he wanted to go to LA. Um, I'm happy I get to just watch him play basketball again. But um, the thing about the Clippers is like they do have they have problems that are outside and independent of James Harden. He hasn't been the best to start the season. Um, I think he's probably had one of the worst starts of his career ever, honestly. Um, and he's what four games he's played this season. Um, but I mean, one, he's on a new team. He's learning his role. Uh, you can see there is there is a bit of like um, he's trying to figure out where he fits into this equation. He doesn't want to come in and like step on nobody's toes because they already have three really talented players in Kawhi, uh, PG and Russ. And he's like, you know, where do I fit into this equation? I don't want to just come over and, you know, take over what y'all got going on. Uh, but I, th- I think that as the season progresses, we're going to see him find his like his role within that group. And that group's going to find like they're going to find how they play with him. I think he's going to look a lot more comfortable and confident, you know, um, a little bit more to what we're used to seeing from him. Um, that being said, like I think there are problems on that roster that are independent of James Harden right now. I think that um, they they have they have a rebounding issue with Avika Zubac because he's not he hasn't been the best, and you know when you, you got to go small with him out out the game, so now you don't have nobody who can grab rebounds. Um, they have the they have a turnover issue. Um, I think like Paul George, Russ. Um, Kawhi, Terrence, man, and Norman Powell, they've all been averaged like two, three turnovers a game. So it's like, you know, they have to clean that up. Um, but then the biggest thing for me and why I wasn't I wasn't the um, the biggest fan of James and the Clippers is like if they stay healthy, right, and they, they figure out the small things, they can like no question be a really good NBA team. There's, you know, Kawhi Leonard, when he's when he's healthy, he's one like there's there's maybe like seven guys who are better than him, like right now, like maybe, maybe seven. Like he's one. And when he's on, when we saw him in the playoffs last year before he got hurt, like he was a killer. Paul George, same thing with him. He, you know, he's there's maybe like 15, 20 guys better than him when he's at his best. Um, and then James, uh, saying another 15, 20 guys better than him when he's at his best. So, like, if they all are healthy and at the, at the best of their game, I mean, they have one of the most talented, like, group of stars in the league and then like I said you you address the small things they could in theory do it um I just don't trust that Kawhi and PG are going to stay healthy they haven't been healthy at any point in time you know for like the last four years um I don't see why this year is going to be any different they they seem to get hurt every time uh the playoffs come around um and so I, I think for them the most important part honestly is just can they stay healthy if they can stay healthy and address the small things um I think they can throw themselves in the mix, but you know, if Paul George and Kawhi get hurt again, which they seem to do every year, I it's going it's going to be a repeat of, of previous times. So, um, uh, you know, that's just kind of my thoughts on it. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with what you said. Well, I think uh, it would have been better if James stayed in the East, whether that was uh, Philadelphia or Miami, because Philadelphia, you already had a roster that was, you know, from top to bottom, had the players that you needed to go to a potentially another Eastern Conference finals. And the Heat, we know what kind of team they have with Jimmy Butler and uh, everybody down there. Um, they always play hard. 
And I think that would have been better for James because with the Clippers now, they have already so many guards, right? And like I feel like at times when if you have James and Russ on the court at the same time, it, it's not a good like productive lineup. Um, but I think give him a little bit of time and, and I, I think he can figure it out down there, you know, get a role and we see what happens, man. But I want to get back to the Houston Rockets, man, because lately uh, there's been a little bit of hate on Jalen Green, you know what I'm saying? And uh, from his play and everything, and he started finding his shot recently. You know what I'm saying? Last, last night wasn't that good. Um, he, he didn't score that much, but I think that as the season uh, moves along, he's going to get better. And I really just want to say for the haters, man, y'all got to stay on that side. Like, if y'all made that take and hating on him early, keep that same energy because y'all are the ones that are going to look stupid when Jalen starts going off. And it's, I'm really just, like, you know what I'm saying, defending my guy, bro, because that's uh, that's the guy that we expect, you know, to, to – be a leader on this team this year and that's our main guy um i want to get your thoughts on like just you know the hate um that that he got so early i mean a lot of players it takes like four or five years to actually like be a superstar to be a nba all-star so um what do you think about all that hate man that, that jalen's been getting i think that um that guys like luka Doncic and I don't know, you know, and, and these other guys who come in in their first season, they're like already like top 30 guys in the league. I think that ruined the perception of how rookies actually operate. Rookies are not supposed to be good. Like you're not supposed to be good in your first, second season. Like it's it's always impressive when there is a rookie who, especially like if you're drafted to a bad team, because it's, it's, it's one thing to be drafted to like a good team and have, you know, uh, infrastructure and veterans in place for you to kind of play a role. Like, yeah, it's a little bit easier, but when you're, where you're, you're drafted to a bad team, they put the ball in your hands and say, you're the guy. There are very few players in the NBA period, you know, who at 19, 20, 21 years old are capable of being like a, a positive um, in that scenario. Then you factor in everything he kind of dealt with internally, externally, like it really wasn't designed for him to to come in and and, and um, make, that, make that impact. I think people want to see him make initially. Um, and so this season, I think, is for the first time in his career where he's he's going to be in a position to where he can kind of show you some of that promise that he was, uh, you know, that we th- we we saw in him when we drafted him. Um, and so I think that one, I think anybody who was like rushing to draw any definitive conclusions about him through his first season or two, I, like I mean, you were asking to be wrong, and I, I think that's both both positive and negative. Like there was no way for anybody to reach any like type of definitive conclusion by Jalen Green. Um, as a 19 or 20 year old. Um, but yeah, I, I think this year he's showing you um, like he had, he, he didn't, his shot wasn't falling, you know, last night, but he grabbed, I believe it was eight rebounds. He had five assists. He made some really good decisions with the ball uh, down the stretch. And that's, I think it's like the second or third game of the season where it's like when the crunch time is up, he's made some really good reads. Um, I do want to see him be more consistent, but I do love that he's being aggressive. Like those were, that was the thing that was really upsetting me with him early this season was like, I want to see you, like, we brought you here to, to be, for lack of a better term, we want you to be him. Like, you, you're supposed you're supposed to be the guy. So, like, I want yes. you to take shots. I want you to be aggressive. If you're not, if, if your shot's not falling, that's fine. 
get back on defense and then come back and do it again. Like I'm not, you know, I just I want him to to keep that confidence, stay aggressive because the shot's gonna fall eventually. Um, and so even like on nights like yesterday where um, his jumper wasn't falling, I liked that it. it didn't discourage him. He kept shooting, um, and then he also found ways to impact the game um, without necessarily scoring, even when his jumper wasn't there. So um, I expect. I mean, he's still young. He's still learning how to adjust and adapt to the new, um, to this new team, to his role with this new, you know, this new roster. So um, I expect this like this season progresses, he's gonna start being a little bit more consistent, and we're gonna start seeing those um, those games from Jaden that we were expecting to see this summer. Facts, bro, because when you like you talked about, even last night he wasn't shooting well. He still had an impact down the stretch, uh, you know, as a playmaker, getting rebounds, not letting, you know, his offensive performance dictate his other plays all around play. And that's what, you know, we can hang our, our hat on and feel good about. But I think he will get better, um, you know, I think he will be scoring the ball a lot better moving forward. But um, it's it's with that being said, man, I think we pretty much covered everything that uh, we could talk about about the Rockets, man. Did you have anything else, Kush, that you wanted to add? No, I think I think you guys pretty much covered it all. Uh, Will, again, I want to thank you so much for, for coming on here uh, with us inside the H Podcast. Uh, like you said, we've been trying to do this for a year. Finally got you on here, man. It was a blast, bro. Um, and for those of got for those of you guys that don't follow Will, uh, you can find him on Twitter at Bias Houston. Uh, love his Texas takes, love his Rockets takes, love his Astros takes. Uh, just an all around um, uh, fun account to follow. And Will, I see you trolling on there sometimes, that man. So I just gotta say, I'm proud of you for that, bro. As a fellow troll, you know, I, I see, I see. Yeah. Well, I will say this. There's one tweet that Will had when we played the Lakers that's probably my favorite tweet of all time that he's ever put out there when he called LeBron James a crybaby. I was like, <laughs> Will is like, LeBron's being a crybaby and, and like just crying about these calls. I was like, man, that's that's the guy right there. That was my favorite tweet of all time, man. Yeah. No, I appreciate, yeah, appreciate you having me on the show. Like I said, I, um, Said I was gonna do this like a while ago. I'm glad I was finally able to make it happen. I had a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, um, this is like this was a good episode. Facts, bro. We definitely gotta do this again, man. Y'all make sure that y'all follow us at Inside the H Pod uh, on X, Twitter, and uh, make sure you guys are subscribed to our podcast. Uh, my name is Ike Quayar. Um, I'm on Twitter at Iquell. That's I K E C U E L L A R. Coach, let them know where they can track you down, at, man. Uh, you guys can follow our podcast page at, at Inside the H Pod. Uh, my personal Twitter account is at at Christopher V Two, and we'll let them know where you where they can find you on all the social media, bro. Yes, Bias Houston on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, um, and then I got a podcast on YouTube. Just type in. Uh, the Brado and Will show, you'll see it'll come up. Um, yeah, that's, that's that's pretty much everything I do. Facts, bro. We're definitely doing this again uh, in the future, man, for sure. Thank you for, thank you for coming on. Uh, we had a blast. Until next time, y'all, inside the H. Hey, the one last thing I want to say is, uh, Will, next time we get you on, uh, hopefully we'll, we got Rockets head coach of the year and the Texas head coach of the year. That'd be, oh, that, <laughs> That'd be dope. That'd be dope. Inside the H.